Hello, everyone, and welcome back to Wallet Street, um, the podcast version of where we talk about things like money, crypto, tech, and anything else that sparks intellectual curiosity. As always, you can subscribe to the newsletter, which comes out weekly on Mondays at walletstreet.squarespace.com, or you can subscribe to the pod on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. Uh, this episode, I, I'm making a special request if you like the show to just rate or review it on Apple Podcasts because that's how we can help other people discover it as well. And uh, as always, a disclaimer that opinions are my own. And um, while this topic isn't really particular to uh, financial and investment advice, as always, um, this podcast does not constitute financial, legal, accounting, tax, or investment advice. So today's topic, now that we've got all the kind of boring stuff out of the way, um, I'm really excited for it's about running for local election and fundraising. And the reason I thought this was really interesting um, is I think whichever side you are on politics, I think the last couple of years has definitely been like elections have been in the news a lot and we just went through one. And my friend Lisa Smith, who's joining me today, has decided to run for election and I thought it would just be really cool to understand like how do you how do you get involved in local politics like what does makes you decide to run but then also like how do you actually do it and some of the things she's learned along the way so my friend Lisa and I we um, met during business school I actually met her through her now fiance um, Eli who was a friend of mine uh, we met because we went on a trip called the mystery trip at uh, business school, which we basically were a bunch of people who didn't know where we were going. We signed up to do this trip and the rules were that you didn't know the destination and you were going to find out at the airport. So about 20 of us signed up for this. We didn't know each other. It was the start of business school. None of us had ever met. We all got to the airport and found out we were flying to New Zealand. So we all went to New Zealand together and it was a great time and we remained pretty close as a group. Um, and that's how I met uh, Lisa was, Eli was on that trip. Um, highly recommend doing that if you're someone who's up for adventure to, to do a mystery type trip, it was really fun. Um, okay, well with that, I'm gonna hand it over to Lisa if you wanna introduce yourself, um, give a little bit of background and then we'll start getting into it. Awesome. Thank you. Also, I'm very jealous. I wish I could have gone on that mystery trip <laughs> or we did something like that. I went to social work school and it was not nearly as exciting as Chicago business school. So mm -hmm. I am always jealous of those stories. But thank you. I really appreciate that you invited me to come talk and talk about finance around campaigning because I didn't know anything about that until about six months ago. So it's been a steep learning curve and I'm happy to share all the knowledge that I have. And hopefully encourage other people to step up and, and run if they want. It's something that anyone can do. You just need to have the right tools. So I'm Lisa, as Charlotte said, and I am former military police. I served in the Air Force for four years and then realized I didn't like that and left and went to school to become a social worker. Um, my father was a social worker as well and my mom is a teacher. She actually immigrated from Argentina, so I'm a first generation American on her side. So following in the family footsteps as well, my sister's a social worker in Massachusetts. My dad is now retired social worker. I graduated from Colorado State University and started doing case management. And basically all I did was the same story of helping someone that is an individual or family that was disabled and needed services within the government. So 
a lot of that work and it's really exhausting and grossly underpaid and burnt out eventually there and went to school in Boston College for macro social work and policy to create better programs for people that are needy. Then after about a couple of years, moved back to Colorado with my fiance Eli and started putting our roots down and shaking the tree to make some change. So now I'm running for office. Um, yeah, it's, it's super cool to hear your story. And I think where I wanted to start is how you decided to get involved or what prompted you. I think um, part of the reason I also felt like this was a really relevant topic is we've seen a lot more women enter politics in the last few years in particular um, at all levels of, of politics, I think. And then also, I think, given the last year with COVID, just civic engagement and helping your community is, of course, top of mind and I think hugely important now more so than ever, especially since we're all confined in, in our own little spaces. Um, so just curious how you, how you started and what kind of prompted it. Sure. And just to that last point, I think that you're spot on. You've seen a ton of people step up, engage. We've had record numbers of just registered voters at the very mm -hmm. basic level of civic engagement up through the ranks and seeing friends from all over the country step into the arena. It was so amazing. And, and to be able to be a part of that and be a part of that change is just a humbling experience. You know, when I was summarizing kind of my background recently, uh, just now, I mentioned burning out when I was case manager, right? I was making $35,000 a year, 100 clients, all of them had just these rigorous challenges. Mm -hmm. And I found a policy that was repetitive. It didn't make sense. And I reported it and said, hey, this policy doesn't make sense. We should change it. We're wasting money and time. And they shooed me out. I said, whatever, Lisa, you know, go do your job quit bitching. And I went back a little while later and I said, here are the numbers. You know, this doesn't make sense. We're wasting this much time, which means this much money. And these are our taxpayer dollars. It's not fair. We should fix it. And they said, well, if you don't like the policy, Lisa, go change it. And so I quit my job <laughs> two weeks later and marched over to Boston and got a really great degree around macro social work and was able to work in the Boston mayor's office and figure out how policy worked. Mm -hmm. And that was the catalyst that made me change my frame of reference from, I can help this one person, I can help this family, to mm -hmm. I can help this community. And mm -hmm. I have the tools, I have my GI Bill that the military gave me, so I didn't have to worry about student loans. And I had the passion to do it. So I think that's what really got me started towards policy, is when someone told me, then you change it. Right? If not me, then who is kind of the, the mantra in this household. If, did at that point you think like, okay, one day I will run for local election or was that, or were you more thinking about, okay, how can I help in my current capacity to change like larger policy? I guess at what point did that start to um, grow into more of a, a electoral, I guess, approach? Yeah, I, I think it's a hard it's a hard role to step into, right? You are now under a spotlight, everything that you post, everything that you share, everything that you do. So it's really challenging to think if that makes sense to do it. Mm -hmm. when, when I thought about what is the most impactful role in the community, mm -hmm. is it behind the scenes, right? A chief of staff that's pushing memos and, and ideas towards the governor, the mayor, the state rep, 
Or is it the public figurehead that is influencing the conversation and the narrative within the community? And I'm still not sure what that answer is. You know, I think when I run for office and hopefully get elected, I'll know, right? Is this the right seat on the bus for me or is it not? And I think that's an important thing to think about when, when I'm diving in or when anyone's diving in. But one interesting thing I wanted to mention was I was told in this really awesome cohort I'm in called Emerge Colorado, that women have to be told five to seven times that they should do something before they actually do it, as oh, opposed wow. to men that don't do it as much. So I thought that was a really interesting statistic because I was told several times to do it. But yeah, so was this like family and friends who were like, you should do, you'd be good at this or like, you should run? It was mostly not my family, actually. My family oh, thought really? like I'm crazy for doing it because... <laughs> You know, we see national politics, we see divisiveness, we see such negative banter on social media that a lot of people think you're crazy for doing it. It's more the local leaders that you're connecting with, right? I do a bunch of boards and committees and I think seeing a logical young professional that wants to actually step into a policy or political role doesn't happen often. It's growing now, but I think when people see that, they grab it. And that's something I should call out is I think both you and, and Eli I've seen have been very engaged even before this, you know, um, campaign run is like you guys have always been really involved in terms of like community service and giving back your time. Um, I don't know, at least from what I've seen, it seems like you that's a big part of your ethos or, or kind of life. Yeah, we met on a video call actually when we were volunteering for Team Rubicon years ago. And Team Rubicon is my current employer that I've been with for years. And all they do is, is service. And you're surrounded by people that are service driven. And I think you are the company you keep. It, it's very apparent when I stepped in to run and I reached out to my network, everyone was super encouraging, super supportive in whatever capacity they can. You know, I think that service as an ideology or a value sometimes doesn't really have to be with liberals or with Republicans that crosses ideologies. And that was true because this week I had my first campaign team call and there was Republicans, independents, Democrats all on this call. And you could tell at first people were like, what are we doing? But I, I'm just so tired of divisiveness. We're here to serve the community and it doesn't matter your ideology, like let's roll and yeah, we're going. <laughs> so you kind of have this like burgeoning kind of drive to do this. How do you actually go from that to, okay, like I'm going to do this. I got to pick like what I'm going to run for, like when the timing of it, I imagine there's just a lot of logistics that kind of go into it. Yeah. I think sometimes people say I'm going to run for office because I want to change something. Like I'm pissed off about healthcare. I'm going to run for local office. Well, local office doesn't do healthcare, right? So mm -hmm. I think it's important to know what the role is and if it's something that you care about to change. So the three things that I've always been told um, is time, opportunity, and talent. Do you have the time and capacity with your regular job uh, or maybe you're not working, your partner's working? Do you have the time to actually commit this? It's a lot of work. Yeah. You know, that's 120,000 people in this community that I would be representing and it's growing. The other is opportunity. So I might want to run, but maybe there's five other people that are like me that are already running that have been practicing and, and ready to roll out. Um, I think that's an important one. And then talent, right? You can, anyone can run for office, literally anyone. That was kind of amazing to see that you, 
all you need is 25 signatures, you know, in our area to put your name on a ballot. And that was impressive to see. So do you have the talent that makes you a viable candidate? I think that's very important too. Uh, to your point, I'm just remembering something that came to me at the start of COVID. I watched Tiger King, which like, I think a lot of people did. I don't know if you did, but Definitely. The, the guy on it, I think his name's Joe. I forget. He like ran for president back in a few years back. And so to your point about anyone can run for, for anything, I think oh, yeah. that really, that's what comes to mind. <laughs> I thought it was a joke until I saw the ballot and Kanye West was actually on the ballot. Yeah, or like Kanye West. It was like, okay. Um, well, uh, okay. So you, so you're thinking about, and so you, did you decide like, okay, I have the time. I think I can do this. I have the talent. And then kind of the opportunity of like, this is the right seat or place for me to present myself. Yeah. The, the person that's in the seat right now is, wasn't running again. And, and I had met her, her husband's a veteran as well. And the veteran network, you know, is, is large and it's also very small. And so mm -hmm. we had known each other and there was just kind of her talking to me about this is run, this is what running is like, and this is it. She actually spent about six months of our first part of our relationship trying to talk me out of running because right. you just get beat up. You know, she, even with local office, these are your neighbors that are yelling at you because they're mad about, whatever the issue is of the day that's being posted on social media. So she said, this isn't for the lighthearted, even if it's local, it's not fun, you know? And I told her if I didn't run and some, you know, loser got in there, I'd feel bad. So she's going to do it. Um, but I didn't know, I, I know policy. I don't know politics. So I don't even know what campaigning was. I don't even know where to start, where to sign up. Nothing. I just started Googling. <laughs> Yeah, just Google how to run for, for pretty much it. What to that point, like what tools or resources um did you find that kind of helped you, especially at the beginning, like map out like what are the steps? Like I imagine you have to register and then and then we'll get into the other topic we wanted to talk about today was fundraising and asking people for money, which is its whole um a whole nother like beast in and of itself. Oh yeah, super awkward. Um, <laughs> especially from someone that's never asked for a dime before, <laughs> even for my dad for school. Um, you're right. Yeah. So I Googled all these things and Colorado is a weird state, right? There's these undertones of libertarianism. So they are very local in their rules. We have home rules here. Mm -hmm. uh, one of them is play nice. You actually can't talk crap about the other person. That's not allowed. You get in trouble, which I love. I wish we could just do that everywhere yeah can that be a national rule right oh, just like a buzzer you yell at them right. when they start it's like a mute button like please yeah. <laughs> so nice. uh so you know i i started googling it and i found all of these nonprofits that support progressive candidates that want to get involved to your like first point of this podcast there's this rush of people that are young you know in their 30s and their 20s that are just tired of seeing what they're seeing and stepping up. And there's a ton of nonprofits that have been helping run for something, endorses progressive candidates, and they assign you a campaign advisor and that they just show you everything. Mm -hmm. so Merge Colorado is a female cohort that elevates you specifically in your state and advises you there. So those have been in new politics, helps veterans get elected. So they've been helping me as well. So I just latched on to whatever nonprofit was willing to give me advice, uh, took it with a grain of salt. And then 
found someone that was currently running for office and, and helped their campaign. And it was learning as much as I could during the November election last year. Was there anything through this process at the start where you're like, oh, I didn't realize I had to do that as part of this, like something that you just were like, oh, okay, this is a weird niche of the process. I don't, I don't know about. Yeah, pretty much everything, but <laughs> uh, <laughs> you know, it's kind of a good segue into finance is fundraising, right? Yeah. I thought, okay, I need to get, right, with campaign donations, you need to get everything short of their social security number. You need to get their address, you need to get their employer, their specific job within that employer. And so I signed, I created this website for a donation and they're like, thanks for signing up. We'll take 3% of your fee and then transfer it to PayPal and we'll take another 3% of your fee and 30 cents on that. And so I said, well, I'm just gonna have everyone Venmo me, right? Like <laughs> just Venmo me and I'll get you your stuff or, you know, send me PayPal. And I thought I was, you know, being smart and saving 5%. And it was such a beast to track everyone down and be like, uh, hi, and you like all this information. And so now I fully commit to the website and the red, the red tape that goes website. with it. Yeah. Yeah. Oof. So yeah, I guess there's very specific rules around campaign finance. I know, I, I don't know a ton about it. I know at, at a national level um, and when you work for like certain employers or whatever, like I've been asked in the past to like disclose when I make um, donations, like particularly in the finance industry, there's a lot of regulation around who you've, if you can donate or you have to get approval to donate, blah, blah, blah. So, which I guess is all like, I get why, I mean, I get why it's being done. And I think, you know, there are really valid reasons behind that. But from the flip side, from someone who's maybe a small and not like a national figure or like a smaller location and trying to get your name out there, how did you go about that? Well, there is a weird thing when you first start to run. It, when I talked about opportunity, it costs for a local election $40,000 to run, which is my social work salary in full disclosure. Wow. That's a lot of money That's for me. Money. It is. <laughs> Not an insignificant amount of money. You could do a lot with 40 grand. <laughs> $40,000 for a local city council race. Yeah. And it just, it blew my mind. I thought, you know, maybe ten, fifteen thousand dollars $15,000, you get some yard signs, you wave to people, kiss some babies and boom, you're elected, right? <laughs> no, not at all. <laughs> so, so learned that the hard way um so one of the mentors within new politics that was telling me how to run said you need to do this thing called the campaign rolodex and it is the most awkward thing to do and you have to go in a spreadsheet and list every single one of your contacts from your second grade teacher you know to you to <laughs> you know, your, your partner's boss like whoever you think would possibly give you a dime and then you have to say how much do you think that they would give you you know, you know how much money they make, like what was reasonable, would they give it to you? And then rate them one through five on like their follow through. Oh <laughs> it's so right. intense. I'm it's like... so intense and awkward because these are your friends. So you're like, okay, my aunt should see maybe $50, you know? And so, so, you know, you're, you're combing through your, your LinkedIn. I'm like, this guy liked a lot of my posts. Maybe he'll give me $20, you know? And so it's just the weirdest thing that you do. And so you have to figure that out. And you build your budget basically like from that grant. Is that kind of the start of a budgeting process? Yeah. So do your campaign Rolodex. Can I get to $40,000? And if I can at least get within a five grand range of that, then cool. Let's move forward. Check that list. Mm -hmm. off the list. Mm -hmm. um, and then build that budget. So if I can get to 40 grand, I can 
do my strategy and, and hopefully win. If I get more than 40 grand, awesome. Maybe I'll send another postcard with my face on it. But uh, if I get less then you know, maybe I won't do digital advertising. So you just have to adjust fire with how much money you're making and not. So right now, sorry to interrupt. Is that what the 40, like usually the amount goes for is just advertising either like signs or, you know, digital advertising. Is that typically where most of the funds go? No, the, yeah, signs and mailers. So yeah. I was looking on Vistaprint when I was trying to build my, my budget and it's like, oh, this is super cheap. Well, it turns out for campaigns, you have to use union printing. That's like a non-negotiable, which I learned is that you need to go through union printers and then you get a little bug. And so, you know, the firefighters unions and the teachers unions, they see the bug and they know that you support unions. And then oh. so it ends up being about three to four times the actual cost on like a Vista print postcard. Yeah, I was, I was thinking you could just send like some save the date, like the equivalent of a save the date for a wedding. <laughs> just like, here's my, here's the date of the election. Go vote on this date. <laughs> yep. Yeah. I got, I got schooled on my budget the first time I sent it in. They're like, what are you thinking? <laughs> Stuff. Um, so, okay. So then you're asking how, like, how awkward is it? I imagine, like you said, I'm also someone, it's awkward to ask for money. Like, particularly with friends, if you don't really talk about that with people. Um, and I don't know, getting over that or just having to like, yeah, like that's going to be a part of this process. I'm going to have to accept kind of mentality. Um, yeah. All the mentors said, get over it. This is the start. You need to like <laughs> start asking for people. And so you have this kind of like level, like the different levels of people, like your core network that you can practice mm -hmm. things on your family, your close friends. And then you step it out, people that you normally talk to and you ask for money. And then it keeps going out to like people you haven't talked to in months or maybe mm -hmm. somebody you haven't talked to in two years. And so it's, it's good to start in your core circle and ask because you know that's your safe space. Um, I took the lens of just being open and vulnerable and saying things like, this is my first time running. I actually don't know the right way to ask. So I'm just going to be blunt and say, I need some money and I hope you can support me. And then I also caveated that, and I think I might've asked this with you is, yeah. is this the right way to ask? And so I thought that tactic would work because it's not that I'm just asking for money, but I'm also asking for feedback saying, Hey, I'm learning. You're part of this learning process with me. And it's a way to not just ask for money and then dismiss them, but have them be engaged in the process and, and give me feedback and learn from that. Um, so that's yeah. kind of where I started. I thought, um, I mean, in full disclosure, I did, you, you had asked me and I did donate and I thought you did a really good job of, um, being very like both direct, but vulnerable and being like, yeah, like this is not, it's kind of weird, but I'm asking for this and I would love your support. And I think actually like, I think you followed up. I think I didn't, I probably like got distracted or whatever. didn't like follow up the first time and you followed up with me and I was like, oh yeah, like I meant to do that. And I just, it slipped off my to-do list. I'm so glad she followed up a second time. So, um, how have you, like, how has that worked? Or like, do you follow up with people? What do donors say? Like, what are, what has, I feel like it's so psychological in a way, um, of like people's behaviors and behavior with money. I probably could write a research paper on all of these data trends that I've picked up on donations. 
uh, it's just so interesting, especially during COVID, right? That's a whole yeah. new layer. So I reached out to people that I fully expected to donate because maybe I've donated to their organization. Maybe they've said it that they wanted to, you yeah. know, there's some sort of conversation about donations and they say, Oh, I just lost my job. My wife just lost my jo her job and yeah. I don't have the money. I don't have the savings, you know, circle back another time. And so there's a level of vulnerability on my end, but also on the other person's end. Uh, there's people that I'm close with that literally just ghost me on that topic and then talk about something else later. So like they don't even acknowledge that I asked for money and then we just talk about something else. And I'm like, all right, well, that's fine. Money's an awkward conversation to have with people, right? Some people are more transparent about it than others. Uh, what I did find really interesting, you know, back to that campaign Rolodex, I, was, mm -hmm. I associated the donation of the person with how much money they make. And so mm -hmm. this person must make $300,000. So they'll give me like a couple hundred and then they'll give me like $50 and be like, don't spend it all in one place, you know, <laughs> kind of thing versus my social work friends uh, that didn't make as much money that might be more politically engaged would give three, four times that amount. So my whole estimate of who was going to give what was completely off. Oh and wow! It was really interesting to see people that make a ton of money giving $25, giving $50, which is of course appreciated, but it was something that I didn't connect. I thought that if you make a bunch of money, you should give me a bunch of money, right? And they're like, no, that's not how it works. So yeah, like the ratio should be the same, right? But um, do you think that is because people are more, or s certain people are more politically engaged, or maybe some people are just um, kind of, uh, what's the word cheap, I guess, or just like, they're just like, don't want to part with their money. I, I don't know. I feel like I definitely probably could be better at, at donating more. And I don't know. I just am curious what you think. Yeah. You've learned from that. Or from I think the, the common theme of people giving more are the ones that are more engaged in issues mm -hmm. or politics because they know that game and they know that you're going to get asked it. Um, the more service driven people. Mm -hmm. So I'm saying, Hey, I'm stepping into politics. I don't know what I'm doing. You know, welcome to the journey with me. You want to donate? They'll donate. There's also this undertone of politics, right? Mm -hmm. People are jaded with politics. They don't trust the political system and the government system. So even though they know I'm a good person, they don't want to contribute to politics or government. And so I think that, is a barrier for entry from anyone. You know, there's, there were people that said, I donate to nonprofits, not politics, sorry, you know, good luck. And I totally respect that. So I think it's just sensitive for people. Mm -hmm. Well, one of the things that's coming to mind and why I thought this, you know, beyond just if someone's interested in local politics, I think this topic is relevant is like, I think people fundraise not just in a political sense, but also if you're supporting a cause or trying to support a charity or some other organization. Um, I mean, I've also seen people fundraise, which this is always breaks my heart is people fundraising for like supplies in their classroom, which I'm like, how does a teacher not have the funds to like fully support their classroom? It's, that's like a whole nother topic I would yeah. like to get into is the education system, but um, things like that. And I wonder, have you ever had to, to fundraise for a cause before and like how is that different like are there any similarities or differences in those experiences yeah i've i've never asked for money ever in my life i've been very prideful that 
I'm an independent female and I can do things on my own. I can pay my own bills. I can do whatever without any help. And so to change that frame of reference and becoming vulnerable and asking people to support me, it, it's been a struggle and it's still very, very much a struggle. I think it's really hard, particularly for women to say, hey, I need your support and help. People keep saying to reframe my mindset there and say, these people want to support you, right? Mm -hmm. that you're giving them an opportunity to support something good. And so I think that helps a little bit with reframing how you approach the conversation of donations. Now with Team Rubicon, my current employer, they fundraise a bunch of money and I'm not on the fundraising team. I support that, but it is amazing to see how easy it can be to support a veterans nonprofit that deploys to disasters to help communities, right? It's such an easy, relatable thing. A lot of people know friends or family that have served and they love seeing that they can, can support veterans. Maybe they've been hit by natural disasters, hurricanes, floods, tornadoes, and so they can relate to that. So it's a lot easier to donate to a cause that you relate to, right? When you look at how people donate, it's always something that they can relate to. You know, it, it's, I'm donating to cancer research because my mother had cancer. Mm -hmm. So there's always things to relate to when you're fundraising for politics. I mean, what's the relation there that, oh, my uncle ran for office once, you know, it, it's a little bit different uh, and harder to do because of that. I, that's a great point. And I wonder also if it's like the external factor of like, you know, I'm asking you to support this other cause or this other person or this other organization, right? That it's like outside of myself. Um, if, the, if in a way it's easier to advocate for that than like, oh, I'm asking for me. Um, even though it's not for you, it's like for you to help the community, but there's a little, I want, you know, I can imagine that that would also be part of it. And in the same way that I, I read this like research piece a long time ago, and I don't know where it's from. So like, don't quote me on this, but something to the effect of research around women asking for more pay at work, where like, if in a way you had a third party to ask for more pay at work, like you're more successful to negotiate more if you have kind of an intermediary or someone asking on your behalf rather than you asking for yourself. Because there is kind of, you know, a ten, like if you have someone who's asking for a friend or asking for like an agent asking for an actor's contract, like there is, you can push back more in a way than if you, it's you asking for yourself. Um, and I always thought that that was really interesting. And um, I just went through a job change myself and asking like negotiating compensation is like so stressful and like, I'm sure it's own topic in and of itself, but kind oh, yeah. of seems similar to, to the, or not exactly similar, but there are parallels, I guess. Yeah, totally. I think when I start, you know, going a further layer out and talking and soliciting for donations outside of my comfort zone, so to speak, the way you message it might shift a little bit instead of like, hey, will you support me is, mm -hmm. hey, will you support my platform? And then that kind of goes to your point of saying, you know, I care about attainable housing. I want to make sure everyone has different options. We have a diverse housing stock. So not everyone gets a McMansion, right? Maybe some people want some townhomes. So I think if I can reframe that message to say, these are the things I support, right? Like let's work on homelessness. I'm sure, you know, let's talk about drug and, and mental health addiction. Maybe we can help with that and provide extra funding in our city to um, create better programs and more immersion programs. So if you can 
you almost go one step removed. So mm-hmm. don't give money to me, give money to what I want to help bring yeah. to the table. It might be more successful. I'll have to report back and see how that goes <laughs> in a couple months. But that's the strategy there. If anyone's listening, that's my competition. Um, what uh, has been, I guess, um, like one of the harder parts of the process or challenging parts um, throughout this journey? I guess, when did, when did you actually start kicking this off? It's been, has it been almost a year? Or Yeah, I started in, I think it was like August last year. Mm-hmm. Because I, again, had no idea what I was doing. So I said, if I file early, I can like learn all the mistakes and figure it out before this year where I actually have to kind of know what I'm doing at this point. Mm-hmm. So I had a longer runway. Also, COVID probably played a role there. I was really bored at home and had a lot of time to Google and figure things out. So that probably didn't help. Uh, I would say as it's been a, a couple of months, it's been seven-ish months, I'm now, I've been doing the snowball research where every week I reach out to three people in the community and I meet with them virtually or go to a park and walk and talk to them about the city, learn about the city, and then say, hey, can you tell me two or three people and meet with them? So I've been doing this for almost seven months now and it's led me down some really weird rabbit holes of really weird people, (laughs) but they're all in the community. So I would say the hardest part is that now I have all these meetings with people in the community that I don't know and they don't know me. So I go into this meeting not knowing what to expect. And sometimes it's really great, really insightful and informative. Other times it's just a whole tangent of crazy. And I think really understanding how crazy. One day I'm going to read your tell all book about all the crazy. It was insane. I mean, and also there's another level of that is that I'm a female running, you know, mm-hmm. uh, I think that there's some power dynamic there with older generations and talking with them and, yeah, you know, going to a meeting with a, an older conservative guy sometimes can lead to just this crazy conversation. I, I remember my most, my most memorable meeting was with a guy in his sixties. He was also a veteran, super conservative guy who called me a piece of meat no less than half a dozen times during our meeting and told me not to take it personally. It's just politics and, you know, kind of that message. And you have to sit there with a smile on your face and be like, thank you. I appreciate, you know, that's wild. I mean, not surprising in a way, just because like, I think we all can relate to, but to, to some experiences that are like that, but to have it so direct when you're in a, in a position of like, I'm here for running for a serious thing. Like it, I don't know. It's not like you're just like randomly meeting someone in some more like informal environment. Um, yeah. I expected to see that on social media and be trolled, but to be sitting across the table, drinking coffee with someone who is just blatantly disrespectful and demeaning to you. And you have to just kind of maintain this professional, demeanor it's just gut-wrenching and that's just something I'm starting to have to get used to get those thick skins and I think my counter to that was I would just start saying well this piece of meat thinks so and so so and I would just go on and you know play some passive aggressive thing but I mean that's the hardest part is that there's some crazy people there's some weird people when you step outside of your bubble your social has there on the flip side been 
um, maybe a more positive outcome of someone you've met who you're like, wow, like that's really awesome. This person I would never have met other if it hadn't been for this process. Totally. There is a, a guy that I met um, and he is a CEO of a healthcare company here and he has a um, clinic in Arvada. Mm -hmm. So I was telling him about what I'm running for. I was telling him about Team Rubicon and he's about to roll out his vaccine um, support or vaccine administration. Mm -hmm. And I told him how Team Rubicon is supporting that. And he was really excited. And I ended up connecting him to Team Rubicon. So our veteran volunteers can now help with vaccine support and distribution in our city in Jefferson County. And if I didn't have that snow, I wouldn't have had that conversation. So I think there's some really, really great wins. I've made some really awesome friends. I have a stronger drinking crew of happy hour people now. So I, and I think also one last tale was I was reaching out uh, to someone in the streets division of our city. And I said, Hey, I'm doing this snowball thing. I'd love to meet. Let's chat 30 minutes. He put on an entire PowerPoint slide deck of everything he did and was so excited. He, it was his moment to shine. No one ever calls the street division and asks for this. And so it was really exciting to see someone feel so heard. Mm -hmm. And that is something that I really want to keep bringing to the table. Yeah. It feels like almost like you have to remember those in the moments where you, you are getting called a piece of meat. It's like, there are other people out there who are not like this. <laughs> I know. Yeah. That, that's such a great thing to remember. Just there's always good people. There's always bad people. Yeah. It's easier said than done. I don't know. <laughs> oh, yeah. um, in the moment, I'm just like, I am so annoyed and I want to like, just <laughs> get like really mad, but you can't always do that. Um, Okay. So in throughout this whole process, one of the questions I want to ask is who have you gone to for support or advice? I know you mentioned a few organizations that have been helpful. Anyone else that you would recommend people going through a similar process should kind of try to reach out to? Well, they can always reach out to me and I can tell them all the things <laughs> and learn. But the best learning experience I did was I looked up who was running in my local area and saw who aligned with some of my beliefs and values and then just jumped on the train and said, mm -hmm. Hey, I want to run eventually. So I need to learn all this. So mm -hmm. I'll do a bunch of work on your campaign and it helps you and it helps me and we all win and we'll be friends. So that is probably the best advice. I learned so much from these people and in turn, they are very, very grateful and have been super supportive during my campaign because mm -hmm. it's a, like, just a co-supportive system. Anything um, that's like your favorite part or least favorite part of the process um, that like, what do you enjoy doing about it? What parts are you like, uh, if I'd never have to do this again, I'd be, <laughs> be better. Yeah, I think I look forward to bringing more females and social workers into the political game. Mm -hmm. I think that is something that I look forward to paying forward as much as I can mm -hmm. because we need different voices at the table. Yeah. Even though it's hard and you're going to get called a piece of meat mm -hmm. and you're going to get called honey, mm -hmm. it doesn't matter because the long game is to bring more people to this table. Mm -hmm. And so I think every time I'm burnt out, you know, on a third, you know, Zoom call at seven, eight, nine PM, it's just that frame of reference that. I'm taking and learning so much 
that anyone that wants to run that, you know, aligns with this kind of openness, I will teach them. I will share whatever resources I can, because I think it's so important that we have these conversations that anyone can run. It's just, you know, learning a little bit on the front end and then you're good to go. Um, to that point, I'm curious, have you ever talked with friends or, or family or, pe or other people, coworkers maybe who have been interested in running and what's held them back? I'm curious why people, why more, like what's kind of the factor to train people? I imagine time is a big one. Um, it is a big commitment. Yeah. I mean, the time is right for me right now where COVID's, you know, making us stay home and I don't have a kid. I see some moms that are running for office and it is impressive. It looks exhausting. Um, you know, there are people that want to run that don't think that they are qualified. Mm -hmm. Everyone seems to not think they're qualified, myself included, until someone really hassled me about it until I finally did. I think that's it. Everyone can run. And I think that's important to note is that if you're passionate about something, get going. You know, like people might in encourage you to do it, but you got to step in yourself. And I mean, look around at some of the people that are in office. I'm sure you're going to be better than some of those guys. So that, yeah, I think that's been something when I was um, younger, like more in the career world where I'd like look at these managers or like really senior, senior people in leadership at companies I worked at. And I'm like, oh, they're so much smarter or whatever. And then as you start to go, you're like, actually, like I'm having interactions with you. And like, I don't think you're that much smarter or that much more qualified than I am, but like somehow you got into the position of power and I didn't. And, um, that kind of fuels your, or at least it's fueled my fire. I'm like, well, if you can do this, I certainly can do this too. Like, um, yeah. So I think you're right. There's, there's some, like the power dynamic, you just assume that because this person's a manager or because this person's an elected office, they must be a genius. They must know everything. And then you have a conversation with them and they're like, do you? <laughs> yeah um that that's very true uh it's a little disheartening but in the other in the flip side it should be encouraging it's like you can all do, do this so we'll just take the positive side of that rather than the discouraging like oh man like how'd you get here <laughs> yeah I mean I think it's important to have conversations with the people that are in those positions right I, I've met with people from different parts of the political ideology spectrum. Mm -hmm. And I think it's important to have conversations. And once you have a one-on-one, -on -one, you can find commonalities that work really well. Mm -hmm. And then you can have conversations, but you might not get their vote or their money, but at least you've kind of neutralized a little bit of the yeah. discourse. So as we, uh, I guess, start to wrap up here, one of the questions I wanted to ask is, um, I guess it's a bit of a cliche question, but what would, do you wish you have known, like, what do you know now that you wish you had known when you started? Um. You know, I wish I kind of knew a little bit more about the types of donations. Mm -hmm. So right now my campaign is a hundred percent individual donations. So no company, no developer, no pack has donated, but there's a lot of opinions around what's the right money to take in politics, mm -hmm. you know? at the national level, these lobbying firms, these PACs that just pool money into to mm -hmm. all of the campaigns and it's not right. And uh, I, I didn't realize either how different 
fundraising is for different seats. Mm-hmm. My max donation for a city council race is $750. Mm-hmm. But in the same area for a state level position, their max donation is $400. It doesn't make sense. <laughs> why, why is my city council race this mm-hmm. and a state level race cheaper? It just doesn't make sense. Campaign finance doesn't make any sense. And when you try to like research it online and you get so many answers and so many like stars and footnotes that <laughs> I just wish that someone had a one pager on it, but just, yeah. Maybe if someone out there knows one pager on like local campaign finance, we will be appreciative if you could pass that Buy a beer for the <laughs> I mean, that's the other thing is like, it takes so much time to like research that. Like you're going down so many rabbit holes. Um, yeah, so. it was it was very it was definitely very interesting. When now I'm past the basics of campaigning, and now I'm looking into strategy of you know, do you spend your money on digital because mm-hmm. everyone's getting there? Do you put it in newspapers because there's a lot of engaged older adults mm-hmm. and voters, or where does that money go? And there's so much research. There's a thing called Allegri Institute that does research on this, and so now I'm in the weeds trying to figure out all these different strategies so another plug if anyone knows some good strategies just (laughs) call me some like yeah advertising channel strategies yeah that i mean it's almost like the marketing side of a a business almost like where are you going to place your product like what channels to try to get your customer and um or get your voter like it's i don't know i'm not a marketing person so it's not my forte (laughs) I mean, I did a video on my Facebook page of me shoveling mulch from a recycled city program. And I was like, this is going to get a lot of likes. I think I really got this guys. And then like, everyone's like, what are you shoveling? What are you doing in this video? I was like, all right, well that backfired. <laughs> well, yeah, you try. And I guess what, what sticks and what lands. Um, well, anything else that you wanted to mention or, or talk about that we didn't get to cover before we, we end um, or where can people find you if they want to learn more? about what you're doing? Yeah. Don't Google Lisa Smith because that won't help me. But <laughs> if you want, if you want to learn a little bit more about me, just go to lisaforarvada.com. That's A-R-V-A-D-A. Lisa for Arvada. Great. Um, well, this has been super informative. I feel like I've learned a lot about local campaigning, fundraising, um, and the ins and outs of that. And I just think it's great that people I know are getting into politics at like a more approachable level. Um, it's uh, great to see and good luck with the rest of the campaign until no, I guess, November. Yeah. Thanks. Let me know when you start to run. (laughs) I don't know. For now I'll pod about running and then we'll, we'll see. (laughs) Um, and then the last question I always ask everyone, cause I'm always in search of great recommendations, um, whether it's like music you're listening to TV shows, movies or books, or maybe you just, you probably are super busy. So I don't know if, if you've had time, but anything you want to recommend to others that you've been reading or listening to or watching. Oh, that question was for me. I thought that was a oh, plug for everyone else. Okay. <laughs> Yeah, I'm actually reading a really interesting book. It's called Mrs. Kennedy. And it's about the whole story of Mrs. Kennedy. Everyone talks about John F. Kennedy, but it's kind of her take and and what she experienced going through the Kennedy uh, administration uh, from a different lens of 
of being a wife and a first lady. And it's just amazing what first ladies have to put up with. So I think it's just very interesting. Oh, that's awesome. I haven't heard of that, but I'll definitely add that to my list. That sounds really interesting. Um, cool. Well, great. And this was so much fun. Thank you for participating. Um, and thanks to everyone listening. As always, subscribe to Apple Podcasts or on Spotify. Um, I just added a Spotify account. So if you're not an Apple person, um, you know, there's something for everyone. And uh, hope you all are well. Thanks again. Thank you.